But it's really first and mostly about understanding from what context do I come? In what context am I with my team? And how do we need to find each other in that? everyone and welcome to the next episode of Experiential Spark where today we'll discuss the culture map by Erin Meyer. Before we get into the book I just wanted to share a little bit about it and why we chose this. This is a book that talks to why different cultures behave in different ways and how that shows up in the professional as well as the personal environment. And given that Marluca and I both have worked and continue to work in really global organizations, as well as the future of the work continuing to be more and more global, we thought this was a brilliant learning that we could use and draw on our previous experiences to share with you so that you too hopefully can learn something as well. The goal of the book is to help you improve your ability to decode the different facets of culture and to enhance your effectiveness in dealing with them. And when Erin refers to the three facets of culture, she means the impact, our perceptions, in other words, what we see, our cognitions, what we think, and our actions, what we do, influence our behavior and cultural patterns that are connected to this. The way Erin has sort of decoded culture in her book is along the lines of eight different skills. We will briefly mention all of them, but then we will spend most of our time discussing three. And we will do this along the lines of our experiences as being a Dutchie and a uk in Poland. <laughs> and That's technical phrase right there, UK. <laughs> yes. And we will... Well, definitely hope that it will inspire you to either read the book yourself, dive into the different mapping tools that Erin has published onto her website, and to look for yourself in any situation that you are in, how it can benefit you and give you new insights to maybe change your behavior or read someone else's behavior mm. differently. But before we dive in, what are the eight different skills that she uses and discusses in her book? The first one is communicating, which is about how different cultures define what good communication is. So is it really precise and simple and to the point? Or is it more, we assume that we have a common understanding and so vague communication or what I believe as a British person, sorry, a UKer would believe is vague context. The second one then is around evaluating and actually as a Dutch person and a UK person, this is a really often a hot topic um, and it is in, in, you know, in the world of work as well. So we'll get into this more, but it's around direct negative feedback versus giving indirect negative feedback and our relationship with feedback. The next scale is persuading. And it's around how would you persuade someone into what you believe is correct. And how she explains it is, for example, the way you structure a presentation for someone. If it's around first you give all the elements of the discussion and then the conclusion. So you will have almost a chronological order as to how you got to that conclusion. 
Whereas there are also cultures where you would do it the other way around. So you would first give your conclusion and then how you got there. So that's around persuading. Another skill is leading. And I think this speaks for itself. Is it either very hierarchical or very egalitarian? Then we can move on to deciding. So this is around how do decisions make, get made and where do people come in and make those decisions? So consensual, team-based, we all need to be on the same page, very democratic versus top-down, the boss has the information, the boss has the, the right to decide and, and then we follow. The next one is around trusting. Um, and this is how we build trust uh, and trust other people. So does that really come from the relationships, the recommendations and the networks that we build? Or does that really come through accountability, things being delivered and you keeping your word almost through tasks-based activities? And then almost last skill is disagreeing and do you do that on a more confrontational way or more in a avoiding the confrontation altogether but still avoid disagreeing? avoid avoid uk avoid <laughs> dutch not avoid <laughs> um, and then the last skill is around scheduling and this is really an interesting one i thought um, is around how do you look at time where, for example, if Claire and I would have a session to record an episode for the podcast and I would be running five minutes late, I would immediately text Claire, I'm running five minutes late and I'm getting there. So we have a very linear way of looking at time. But then on the other hand, there are cultures that are more flexible in terms of how they look at time. And they would say, well, I'm coming and then it would take three hours. So there's just a difference as to how you look at time. Before we jump into some of our own personal experiences, um, reflecting back then working Dutchy, UK and Polish all together, I wanted just to share a quote that's right in the end of her book, um, which is brilliant, by the way. We cannot talk about how much we loved this book, both as a fun read um, because of the way that she writes and the stories that she shares but also such an eye-opening read for someone like myself who works with completely different cultures all the time and also as a coach and partner to people who work with different cultures. You can never learn this stuff too many times. So if you're working in an international space, we cannot advocate for this book enough. The quote that I really wanted to share before we get into it, our reflections is this. The way we are conditioned to see the world in our culture seems so completely obvious and commonplace that it is difficult to imagine that another culture might do things differently. It is only when you start to identify what is typical in your culture, but different to others, that you can begin to open a dialogue of sharing, learning and ultimately understanding. And for me, that's the essence of this book. And to add to that, an important term that Erin uses in her book is that of cultural relativity. And that basically means that when you look at how different cultures relate to one another, it's not about the absolute position of either culture on any skill that's mentioned, but it's rather around the relative position of the two cultures. And it is through this relative positioning that you can actually start to determine and share and listen as to how people view one another. And I think 
this one really came through uh, <laughs> when we looked at the different skills and we mapped our countries, i.e. NL, Poland and the United Kingdom, um, on the evaluating scale. This was the one scale where Claire and I were on, well, not on either end of the scale. Uh, NL is very much on the left side with regards to direct negative feedback. And uh, the UK is more in the middle, I would say, when you look at the entire scale. But Poland is in the middle, in between the UK and the Netherlands. And this is where cultural relativity really comes in as to our experiences when we were both leads in Poland and how I saw the Polish people as, well, not very direct, yet Claire experienced Absolutely. them completely different. <laughs> so this is what's really important to keep in mind when you go through the book and when you start to make your own country maps, that it's all about the relative position towards each other. So all the experiences that we might share now in this conversation might be completely different for you guys, depending on where you are, in which country you are, and how you fit onto that scale. So again, very much recommend to make your own country mapping tools, but for the sake of inspiration, we will now share a little bit of our experiences. So going into the evaluating skill, can you share maybe how it was for you being in Poland? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So again, just to be really clear, I'm the UK one, Maluka's the Dutch one, and we were working with a Polish team. Um, and to also be really clear, no culture is right, wrong, better or worse than the other. It's just different and we work in different ways. So we're going to start off talking about our experiences with the evaluating scale. So as Maluka mentioned, this is around direct negative feedback at one end of the scale versus indirect negative feedback at the other end of the scale. So direct negative feedback, very much where the Dutch sit. Feedback here, is, what good feedback here is frank, blunt, honest. All the UK listeners are getting sweaty palms as I say this. Negative messages stand alone and are not softened by positive one. Absolute descriptors are used, so totally inappropriate, completely unprofessional. And criticism like that can be given to anyone in front of anyone. So that's the left-hand side of the scale where the Dutch sit. Right up the other end of the scale, the right-hand side, indirect negative feedback. So it's provided softly, subtly, diplomatically. I think maybe it might be a good idea if possibly you don't do that again in the future when we get to this situation, perhaps if you think that also too. Positive messages are wrapped in negative ones and criticism is only given in private. So the UK sits in the middle of the two, which means compared to the Dutch, we are very indirect. And as Marluka described before, Poland is between the Dutch and the UK. So I experienced Polish people as being very direct when it came to negative feedback. And this might be as simple as, wow, Claire, you look tired today, don't you? As I've definitely put makeup on for the first time in a month, which always was a bit painful to hear. Another example of this playing out was in my first team meeting where due to the company I worked with, we always started with a safety moment. And so first team meeting, I'm the team lead. What do I do? I open with a safety moment. And at the end of the meeting, one of my team members just pulled me aside and said, hey, can I have a chat with you? Um, 
I don't understand why we did a safety moment. That's not relevant to us here. None of us enjoy the safety moments at all. And I really don't think we should be doing that. This was quite an experience for me because if this had happened in the UK, there would have definitely been a lot more qualifying to that feedback. So a lot more, I think maybe it might be a good idea to think about not doing a safety moment next time or perhaps we could do something different instead of of a safety moment because I'm not sure how everybody in the room might have felt about that safety moment so a very different experience with regards to feedback when it comes to the Polish culture which is more direct than the British culture which is relatively more indirect but Marluka given that you are even more direct than the Polish how did you experience the Polish culture? Before going into the actual experience, I thought of one more thing to add in terms of the cultural relativity, because everything in this book may sound very generalized, and Mm. it is. So on a personal level, it can be very different. Someone can end up very differently on each of these skills. However, what the book looked at, the research looks at, is in general, where does a country fit on Mm this skill. So please do also keep that in mind. Going into my own experience, um, this is exactly what happened. So I had uh, a couple of people in my team, but one in particular that was very direct. So I would definitely not put her into the indirect um, area or, or the indirect end of this skill. I've been in similar situations as you just described. My response or, well, not my response, but my thought most of the time would then be, why didn't they tell me this during the meeting? And we would have (laughs) discussed it there, rather than after the meeting, when there's actually not really a moment anymore to make any changes. We could have done that in the meeting and just rearranged the agenda or whatever. So here you can actually see with the same experience how cultural relativity works. And I would have these moments often where I would really in team meetings challenge them to speak out, to tell me Mm -hmm. what their thoughts were, to tell me their opinions, to tell me whether I did a good job as a leader or not, and whether I could, you know, do anything differently, really asking them for negative or positive feedback, but feedback in general when that would often not come. Over time, the team and I really learned how to get closer to each other and they became more direct. And I sometimes did it more in an indirect way if I was conscious about what was happening. And I really think that's the same for me and you. (laughs) So (laughs) obviously, again, Maluka, the Dutch person, me, the one from the UK, um, people often wonder if I find working with Malu, Maluka, Maluk, people often find it, ask me if I find working with Maluka, if she's very direct. And I think, well, yeah, of course she is. That's kind of her way. But I guess There's another quote in the book which says, politeness is in the eye of the beholder. So who am I to say you should give feedback in this way or that way? That's relative for my culture, not relative for Marluka's. And so I don't, yes, you are direct with me, but I don't think you're being rude to me. And in fact, actually, I think it's, you know, a sign of respect. I've come to learn that you want the best for me. And in order to do that, you will give me 
direct feedback because that's how you would go about it. And I also think that you have learned to adapt, right? So you've learned to adapt in finding softer, more subtle, gentle, thank you ways of giving me feedback when it's relevant. And I've also learned to not see it as criticism from you, but to take it with the intent that it's meant. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because while reading the book and certainly after reading the book, it also made me reflect on earlier conversations that we had <laughs> and thinking, oh no, did I go way too much into the direct space and did I offend Claire oh. or should I have said something different? So it's And also, Marloka, you never hear anything I tell you. I'm way too indirect. Exactly, exactly. What did I miss? Oh no, oh no. So it's also, and I think that's exactly the intent of the book, right? So to get you thinking and reflecting on what is my position relatively to someone yeah. else with a different culture. And is there a way I can adapt my style or is there a way I need to read the signs differently or yeah. ask another question because someone might be a little bit more in what I would do. So I think that's going really well for us in this, <laughs> in this sense. I think and maybe, actually, yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah. And actually what I was sharing earlier around those team meetings also really goes into the next skill that we wanted to discuss with you, namely the leading skill. Again, this is about egalitarian versus a more hierarchical style. And... I think hierarchical speaks for itself. It is uh, there's a, a, a quite a high distance between a boss and subordinates. The best boss is seen as a strong director who leads from the front. Status is very important, and organizational structures are often multi-layered and fixed. And communication also follows the set hierarchical lines. Whereas on the other side of the scale you would see that the distance between a boss and subordinates is often quite low, and the best boss is more of a facilitator among equals. The organizational structure is often very flat, and communication can actually skip hierarchical lines. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be, but it, it's usually a sign that it's more an egalitarian organization when that does happen. When you then look at the mapping that we did for the three countries that we're referring to. Again, the Netherlands is more on the left side being very egalitarian. The UK is more in the middle. Well, we can never decide. <laughs> and Poland is actually more to the right-hand side of this scale. And interestingly enough, or maybe actually not interestingly enough, because, you know, <laughs> it's researched, we both, I think, experienced mm -hmm. Poland to be a hierarchical culture relatively to what we are used to. And the way it played out for me, again, going back to the team meetings, is that I would ask the team, what do you think? Do you have any ideas? Like really trying to get stuff out of them because it wouldn't naturally come up, at least not in the beginning, because again, over time, we've learned how to work together more and they knew what I was aiming for and also I would find other ways to get them to speak up but definitely in the beginning it was very difficult for me because I was in my facilitator role mm. enabling them to speak up and share their thoughts and opinions etc on whatever topic that was on the table while they would 
and now I'm speaking for them, but they would probably be more on the, well, you're the boss. Also, they would not hesitate to call me the boss, which I <laughs> did not like. <laughs> um, but they, that's how they would probably look at me like, hey, you're the boss. You should tell us what to do and what we think and etc. Like, this is very black and white the way mm. I describe it now. But if you look at the scale, that is probably sort of the experience that people would have. And, and in Poland, so one of the lessons that I, I took from both working in Poland, but also from the book is how history, experiences and language all kind of link together to create where one sits on the scale. And when I was working in Poland, they one of my lessons about their language was they still have a very formal and informal structure to their language. So in the UK, we've lost that, you know, we very rarely you know, refer to an elder as sir or madam. We just say hi. We don't say hello, good morning. It's, it's, we're much more informal in our language. Whether as in Polish culture, they have a formal word for hello and an informal word for hello. And in Polish companies, you would only ever use the formal word for hello with your boss. So you'd never say yo to your boss, essentially. You'd only ever be very formal. Whether as in our team, I would always say informal hello to my team. And they always squirmed a little bit and then said the informal back to me. And again, like Maluka described, over time, we got more comfortable. But someone said to me from my team, which was just such a fascinating eye-opening moment for me, was we would never do that if it wasn't for the fact that we're in this multi national multicultural company and it almost diluted in some ways some of the traditional Poland, Polish culture ways of working. So I thought that was really interesting and in how clues in how language might be used can help you identify your way around some of these things. And another example I found and a real lesson for me was we had an executive vice president, so a super, super senior stakeholder come and visit to ask for feedback on some changes. The appointment went in the diary There was no clarity about what that appointment was for. There was no opportunity to have preparation to think. And when we arrived, myself and my team, the individual just asked for feedback. What do you think? Now, in a very hierarchical culture, they're always going to look to the boss to have the answers. So the team looked to me to have the answers. And I also felt that I needed to have the answers on their behalf. And on reflection, There are two learnings that I took from that, especially once I'd read the book of one, we can help hierarchical cultures give more open and honest feedback by A, as a boss getting out of their way so they can disagree with you without you being in the room because that's more comfortable for them. And two, by allowing them preparation time to think through their answers so that they can, can share that in a way that's comfortable to them. So I look back at that meeting and think, gosh, if I have my time over, I'd do it in a different way. Yeah. And maybe vice versa, if you're actually more in an egalitarian context, while you yourself come from a more hierarchical culture, then there are also a lot of tips and tricks in the book that can help you to position yourself in a way that feels okay for you as the lead, but also okay for the team in the same time. So then it's more around making sure that objectives are very concrete and specific and that you check into them regularly. So it's just a different 
mm. way of doing your work that might help you. But it's really first and mostly about understanding from what context do I come? In what context am I with my team? And how do we need to find each other in that? And that can, like, we are mentioning a lot of work-related situations. But then again, the example that you just mentioned around saying hello, that's just a very general one. Mm. I also noticed that when I invited my team to come over to my house for dinner and just a fun night of playing games, they were all like, a manager would never do that. So again, oh, yeah, my it, team did that too. They were fascinated by that. Yeah, yeah of course. Where for us, it was completely normal <laughs> yeah, to invite yeah. someone to your personal space because, at least for me, it's like, I want to share that. Yeah, like We're all human. I want to share my personal space. I want to show you where I live and how I live and, you know, all those yeah. things. So I think the the elements and the skills really translate itself very much into the work environment, but also very much in the personal environment. And that's what makes it so interesting. And you know what? Just a little shout out to my team for being so super game, supportive and flexible to come to my world. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Yes, same, same. Uh, But you know what? Somewhere where we did seem to agree and where we land in the culture map in the same place was on the scheduling scale. So this all talks about our relationship with time. So you can either be very linear in your relationship with time. So things are very much sequential, one task before the next, one thing at a time, focused on a deadline, an emphasis on promptness and good organization over flexibility. So a bit like Marluca said before, if you're going to be late, you let people know, you say, I'm going to be late five minutes, you're on there within five minutes. Versus flexible time, where things are very fluid in approaches, changing tasks are happening as opportunities and situations arise. Many things can be dealt with at once and focus is all on about adaptability and flexibility rather than step-by-step organization. And whilst we're not all exactly in the same place when it comes to Dutch, UK and, and Polish people, we're very similar And so Marluca and I, I think we both talked about this before, that we didn't notice big differences in how we approach time. However, I'm currently working with a Dutch individual who works with a Korean uh, company. Now, these two countries are at the opposite end of the scale. So Dutch are very linear about time and Koreans are very flexible about time. And I want to be really, really clear here. There is no right or wrong. But it means that he might dial into a call at 7 a.m. in the morning expecting them to be there and they might not turn up till 10 to 8 or not at all because in their world, time is flexible and fluid and they need to be able to adapt to adapt to the world around them versus our UK, Dutch, simple relationship, linear with time. And so this can be really challenging. And actually, he recently read the cultural map (laughs) And was like, right, this is what's going on. So no longer is he frustrated by it. He appreciates it and understands it's a different relationship with time and that they need to find ways of working together, which makes it work for both sides. I wanted to share with you all now something that I'm trying to do with my current company and maybe something you guys could try too. And we'll go into bigger depth in a different podcast. But it's also summarized in Erin's final chapter in the book. 
So what do you do if you find yourself working in multicultural teams? So one of the things that we are doing and that you can do is to go onto Erin's website and download uh, a cultural map. So this is where you map out the different countries on the cultural map across the different dimensions so that you can see where you are. We're then having conversations in the different cultures about what do we learn from looking at this? And we're trying to have real humility and somewhat self-deprecating senses of humours about this of, oh gosh, I'm over here and you're over there. That must be really difficult for you because I think like this and you come from that angle. So we're starting to have that conversation around where are we different and how might that be causing problems? And can we solve some of those problems? So in the book, Erin asks, I think, four great questions. So do you agree with the positions that you see on the on the map? What else can we share to help us understand those positions on the map? So give it some context. How do we think that's impacting our team's collaboration? And given this, how can we be more effective? So in the future, I hope that we'll almost come up in the teams that I'm working with with team charters or sort of contracts on ways of working to enable us to embrace and work with the differences that we bring. So what Claire was referring to by mentioning in another podcast, we will actually record for you like a very short, very practical episode that we would call a spark episode where we would share in detail what in this case Claire did with the team so that you could either replicate it for your own environment or adjust it a little bit and then do it too. So more on that later. We want to end this episode with a quote that Erin uses in the book and it's the story of two young fishes who encounter an older fish swimming the opposite way. And the older fish nods at the two young fishes and says, Morning, boys, how's the water? Which prompts one of the young fish to ask the other, What the hell is water? It just doesn't matter whether your team members or you even agree with what's in the book. What's important is that you start exploring and discussing the differences in how you look at communication or how you provide negative or positive feedback towards each other. And just as fish don't know they're actually in water, we as people often can find it difficult to see and recognize our own culture in Mm -hmm. the way we behave and how we speak to one another until we actually start comparing it to others. So hopefully by giving you this episode, we have inspired you to either start reading the book yourself, go online and create a culture map, start discussing your experiences with the people within your team and around you and see what it might actually bring you. And as always, we would love to hear from you You can share your thoughts on Instagram at Experiential Spark. You can email us. You can send us a voice note through whatever website you are listening to this episode. And as mentioned, we will come back to you later with a shorter, more practical one. Thanks for listening and see you later. Bye.